everyone. Welcome to episode 99 of the Cosmic Matrix podcast with your host, myself, Laura Matsu, and my husband, Bernhard Gunther. And in this episode, we're going to do a year-end wrap-up and talk about the biggest lessons of 2022, or maybe potential lessons, maybe we didn't learn them. <laughs> and then we're going to go really spend some time going over the astrology of 2023 and some major evolutionary transits that we see happening. So as always, we always have a first hour free to the public. And then we have a second hour where we go much deeper. And we often actually talk about things that we can't talk about on the first hour. So if you want to join our second hour membership, then go to veilofreality.com and you're, you'll see a drop down menu for become a member and you can get access to all 99 episodes, basically 99 plus hours of a second hour material. So in this episode, in the first hour, we're just going to go over, you know, some personal reflections, some personal lessons we learned in 2022. And then we're going to talk about all the global craziness we've seen going on from all of the conspiracy theories becoming <laughs> conspiracy facts to, you know, all of the doctors who spoke out against the thing I can't name and got canceled. We're going to talk about the Twitter files. We're going to talk about the FTX crypto scandal. And we're going to go into some major transits, mainly in the first hour. We're going to talk about Saturn entering Pisces, which happens in March. And then we're going to talk about the Pluto's visit in Aquarius, which is basically only from March to June. And then it's going to go retrograde. And then it's going to go into Aquarius for most of 2024. And in the second hour, only for members, we're going to talk about, you know, another kind of year-end wrap-up topic, talk about the article that Bernhard wrote on Veil of Reality, which is a very popular article, went very viral. You can check it out. It was about Thomas Meyer's research about the COVID vaccines and the consequences on the soul, spirit, and life after death. So Thomas Meyer comes from basically anthroposophy, which is Steiner's method or, you know, system. And he talked about the spiritual consequences of um, the V. And then so and then also uh, we're also going to talk about in the second hour, the next kind of fake climate change scare that could be used for more social control, as we've already seen announced by the German health minister. Um, if you follow our telegram, I believe I posted it there. Um, and then we're also going to talk about, you know, this ongoing lesson that we talk about on almost every single podcast, why the necessity for psycho-spiritual self-work will really become more evident in light of the potential, you know, shadow side of uh, the Pluto and Aquarius era, which is going to be transhumanism, AI. It's also about individuation. It can represent disassociation, alienation. There's many things. We're going to go all into that as well. Yeah. And in the second hour, I'm going to continue more and I'm going to talk about some major transits also happening in 2023. We have Jupiter in Aries, Jupiter in Taurus. And then we have a major evolutionary transit. Number one, where the nodes are going to switch into the Aries-Libra axis. And then we're going to have Pluto square the nodes. And this is going to be like a big year, I feel. So stay tuned to the second hour to get uh, more info about that. So yeah, I guess we'll just start on the more microcosm level and like, you know, what are some reflections that, what are some big lessons that we learned in 2022? Great question. I mean, <clears throat> based on our work, the, the inner work keeps going, refining psychological work, spiritual work combined. 
all the way from inner child work, shadow work to more deepening the spiritual practice. So on a personal level that has definitely more intensified and has become more refined, um, you know, as the onions, layers of the onions are being peeled, um, it has become more embodied for myself. You know what I mean? There's been definitely phases in my uh, evolution, so to speak, or journey where I tend to intellectualize certain concepts. You know, that's kind of my to-go thing. Uh, with my strong mind before I truly embody men, embody them and maybe apply them more somatically or going deeper with it. So this year has been definitely a deep, deeper breakthrough for me personally to really also uh, go further into um, integral yoga, Sri Aurobindo's work, which my listeners or writer, readers of my work already know I've gotten quite deeply into it over the past for years, but I've seen another breakthrough where I kind of get more in touch with this, my so-called psychic being and, and have a more experiential um, experience, so to speak, rather than uh, approaching it just intellectually and whatnot. So that has deepened uh, my aspiration, my surrender, and more consistent meditation practice and all that. And not only like beside, like um, passive meditation by myself, but dynamic meditation to keep the divine in my mind the aspiration so to speak consistently and, and that has definitely profound change in myself but it's a law of ascent and descent so more stuff has come up as well in order to anchor the divine within myself and connect to that more uh inner child stuff has come up i needed to look at and uh that's sometimes definitely triggered through our relationship in the positive sense so we can, i can use that material to do more inner child work parts work shadow work and i've the way I've seen it, it um, manifests within myself that I have also, let's put it, uh, um, how can I share that in the sense of my views have not become so fixed and black and white. So it has my views have become more nuanced in general, which has also been always been part of my work in general, not identify with either side, but it has become even more nuanced. Especially we had a couple episodes, our recent episodes about evil with Neelish as well. Uh, the role of evil from the integral yoga perspective and really understanding that uh, things are just not that black and white. Yeah, right? that's a, that's actually a defense mechanism called splitting where you tend to see things as and people as all good or all bad, which is just not a mature stance to life is that yeah. the truth is, is that even the people you love the most will disappoint you sometimes and nothing, no one in this world is perfect. But I think that a lot of people over the past few years have actually been splitting a lot. And like, yes. you know, and that's just another topic on its own. But on that note, that reminds me, you know, because of the past two, three years, definitely with how crazy the left house has gone with the woke virus and this socialist Marxist communist takeover, I've embraced more like even more quote unquote conservative values in the sense, right? And I've seen that, but now what I've seen as I go deeper in my inner work, that's also being hijacked in a sense and has become very extreme in how both sides project on each other, which I know we'll go deeper into actually the second hour. But not identifying with, with the craziness out there, and even with the whole, on a personal level, the so-called truther movement, trying to like, you know, Klaus Schwab and this and that and the Great Reset. And it's important that we talk about it, but I'm less and less drawn to externalize so much. Yeah. Right? I see it truly that, like, that's what I mean with, having more embodied my spiritual practice, my psychological practice, I, see, I can truly see it and embody it and know it and feel it on a deeper level that nothing has changed as long as we're just trying to like fix the outside or expose anything that I have the potential for evil within myself. I have this darkness, this unconscious within myself, and that's what I need to clear out 
to come more to a spiritualized embodied place, which will then affect or inform my actions on a more conscious level, on a higher level, based on my higher nature, not my unconscious lower nature. And that's how we truly change reality, because ultimately the outside always reflects the inside within ourselves. And personally, I've come to a place where truly quote-unquote, see this on an embodied experiential level rather than just a philosophical intellectual concept. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, we've been through our own process. I found that, you know, I've had to consciously seen the North Node in Taurus is actually where my North Node is, just slow things down to, you know, it was really intense for 2020 and 2021 for us. We got probably like the height of being canceled and all sorts of crazy stuff. And I got really, and we were doing courses the entire time and I actually suffered from burnout for a period. So I've had to really take a step back and, you know, focus more on my health, which is really a Taurus thing too, like taking care of the body. Um, we've also had to really reevaluate our social media strategy because we're both shadow banned at our main platforms. Um, thank God they don't have the uh, FBI agents to go through all the podcasts <laughs> because we say a lot of things in the podcast that we wouldn't be able to say on social media. Um, but that's been a big change, I think, for us as well is like um, just branching out like you join Twitter you joined YouTube. Yes. <laughs> I even joined TikTok and I know how I'm totally aware of how evil it is. But honestly, at this point, all of the platforms are all of the mainstream platforms are kind of in that category. Um, and yeah, we've just been continuing on, you know, refining our own work and our the soul work that we do in Embodied Soul Awakening and really bringing people together in these times to really do the work that really matters. Because I find that a lot of people lately, you know, number one, they're psychologically, mentally, and spiritually stressed. It's hard, you know, you have to really kind of find ways to take care of yourself during crazy times like this so you don't get hooked into the hysteria of the collective. And also, you know, it's been very difficult for people not being able to talk to people about what's going on. Like even my own Instagram page has become a place where people can chat with each other about like the things that have been happening and the family members that have excommunicated them because they didn't want to take a certain treatment and stuff. So you can already see these themes of Aquarius and like kind of people individuating and finding like-minded others. They're already happening, you know, as, as we've seen. And on a global level, maybe we can touch on that. So what do you want to... No, no, before we go there, based on what you shared, I just wanted to share as well. It's true, we did, you know, we keep going and doing our embodiment soul awakening courses. We've done now, we're just about to start the 10th round. We've done nine times in a row over the past three years and they've gone really well, but it is intense work. So that was a lesson as well for us or for me as well, self-care, you know, to really um, take care of ourselves on all levels as well to be able to provide the work. And you're right, he's on a creative level. I, was, I don't know if people know, I've started uh, producing some shorter YouTube videos, you know, that was fun creatively about, you know, my work, more shorter clips, so to speak. So if you haven't seen that yet, go to my YouTube channel, uh, youtube.com slash time of transition. And I, I'll be keeping doing those. And speaking of creativity, um, I also wanted to share real quick that I recently, we recently, yesterday, went to see Avatar. Mm. Um which, you know, was, I just want to drop that in. And I know there's a lot of controversy. People, uh, you know, some people get very triggered by the movies. Some people love the back and forth. But I have to say, beyond going like into any story or D 
deep analysis, it, it did touch me profoundly. Uh, like my inner child was really touched. And I was, I was actually uh, tearing up, crying during the movie here and there, especially at the end. Um, and, you know, what I really appreciate, because I've also lost faith and hope in the whole creative arts, Hollywood and all of that. But that movie brought me back to what movies, the biggest impact movies had on me. Last time I can remember was probably 20 years ago with Lord of the Rings <laughs> trilogy. But what I really appreciate, there was something, the theme of just true deep love, of loyalty, of family, of uh, something, it's really hard to put into words, but it's touched deeper my inner child, you know, of like remembering the innocence of my inner child, of wider experience, what I also missed, the childhood wounding came up. So there was a grieving aspect, it was really hard to put into words, almost even past life related maybe. But I really appreciate that movie in the sense, what stood out to me, um, you know, also the, how both roles, the feminine and the masculine were presented in, a, I thought, personally, a very balanced way, not infused by any political agenda, both showing their strength, their vulnerabilities, and just the connection to nature. And, and water has a big, you know, symbolism in my life, and I love water anyway. But I just wanted to share that it was really, really touched me. It was a deeper heart opening that's still with me right now that really broke something open uh, in a very positive sense. And again, I don't want to get into any political analysis. Um, I actually was positive surprised that the film was not as woke as I thought it was going to be, so to speak. But, um, you know, there's some deeper humanness in, in metaphorically archetypal uh, transmitted through this film, which, which I really appreciated. Yeah, I, I mean, the underlying theme is really how we are interconnected with everything too, you know, mm -hmm. like that's a big... That's a big lesson that I think we still have not let yet, yet even come close to learning collectively for humanity, you know, that yeah. you see the way, you know, that we, like, for example, this is something that kind of irks me is like when people just cut down trees in their yard, you know, that are maybe like 50, 100 years old plus because they're in the way of something, you know, whereas from a permaculture perspective, for anyone who knows, you want to work with the land that's already there and it all is there for a reason. So, you know, we don't have a connection to the stuff around us and we don't even have a connection to ourselves and exactly. our own souls and the people around us as well. So, you know, that's why I think as we continue forward with doing the work we're doing, I see more and more that we need to get people's souls back online yes. because... You know, that could even get worse when Pluto enters in Aquarius, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, I, I saw people getting very triggered. But I, I read multiple posts of people saying that they walked out of the movie and they were so triggered that they walked out of the movie. Like, And that's also just a sign that it's actually not about the movie. If you were truly objectively analyzing it, you wouldn't get so upset that you had to like burst out and write something on the internet. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, it's important to look at that. And like for myself, you know, like I don't agree with some of James Cameron's politics, but I have to say as a piece of art, um, it was very well done and there was yeah. like a magic in itself. So, um, and I really felt that the lesson was actually more about healthy masculinity versus unhealthy masculinity and healthy femininity versus unhealthy femininity. Yes. And you could see those themes going on. It was also about, you know, family relationships and attachment and like how you parent and, you know, the importance of family as well. So I think that's also a really important lesson for all of us. Yeah. It was a beautiful way to end this year in a sense and start the new one with this. Yeah. 
uh, it reminds me of the Rumi quote, like you need to break open the heart again and again and again. And that's kind of like what happened for me personally. Like that was emotionally very intense, but beautiful at the same time. Okay, now on the global level, what we've seen over the past year, it's very interesting. It seems like the the vibe has shifted a little bit. I want to also mention that most of these worst case scenarios, what many people think what's going to happen, extreme food chain shortages, uh, supply chain, empty shelves in the grocery stores has actually not happened. No, we did have supply chain issues. We had supply chain issues, but not to the severity as some people predicted. Yeah, everyone, you know? like, yeah, yeah, extreme. But that, that that was part of the Uranus conjunct North Node in Taurus is like the that's scarcity yeah. that's gone on. That has been happened, and definitely inflation and all of that. So I don't want to downplay it, but there's always the black pill, like... Oh, yeah, you know, like, the, it's going <laughs> to Extreme really, scenarios yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that just simply has not, have not happened. Um, and, you know, it's interesting also... If, over the past year, what we see in 2022, that uh, many so-called conspiracy theories, labeled as the mainstream media, basically as conspiracy theories, have turned out to be true. <laughs> Anything from the damages of the the V that shall not be named, right, to uh, doctors speaking out about it, they were canceled but were right about it. Um, even the CDC guidelines changed. We had a whole podcast uh, about called that the CDC owes you an apology. That was very popular. So that has changed all of a sudden. Um, then obviously also recently we have seen uh, was very interesting development with Musk, Elon Musk um, buying Twitter. And again, people have all their opinions about Musk. Either they see him as an extreme, the savior, right? Or he's a technocratic like wolf in sheep clothing. Both extremes. Again, like I mentioned in the beginning, I don't see these things at black and white anymore. Right, I think uh, it's about holding the tension of opposites, and you never know what anybody's role is in the bigger picture of the evolution of consciousness without going straight to labels like this is good or this is bad. Right, the splitting, the splitting, exactly. But the Twitter files, you know, how many eight, nine Twitter file file drops, almost ten. Yeah, you know, really showed that definitely there have been the government and FBI involvement in social media. Censorship, and they paid them millions of dollars. Don't forget that part. Yeah, that came yeah out. exactly. Yeah. So it's been what was literally has been proven by fact. What is usually only be done in highly controlled uh, communist environment, uh, socialist environments, like my dad experienced when he used to live in Eastern Germany. Social democratic socialism, uh, like the Stasi, the media uh, being basically. Uh, a mouthpiece for the government and that's what we've seen here that social media has been overtaken by the federal agencies by governments by the biden administration to basically interfere in, uh, basically engaging in election interference with the uh, censorship of trump and other you know conservative speakers and all of that that has they, definitely happened they also just censored very small accounts which came up in the twitter files so like they actually showed documents of them getting into discussions about like really small following accounts and like, should we delete this person? What should we do with this person? And figuring out how to censor even meme accounts or joke accounts. Like they went even further than just the popular guys. Right. They were anyone, basically, anyone who had an opinion, doesn't matter how many followers you had, that went against the mainstream narrative was basically up for censorship. And that was that was proven in the Twitter files. Yeah, and then what you mentioned as well, obviously if this is, we can see now this based on facts, 
and Twitter. Obviously, that's happening on Facebook, Instagram, and all the other major social media outlets as well. Yeah, as you mentioned, you're you're severely severely shadow banned on Instagram. I'm definitely have been shadow banned on on Facebook for quite a while now. Yeah, so and, that's and still by happening. the way, interestingly, when the, all the Twitter files were coming out, Instagram released this new feature where you could check your account status to see if you're shadow banned. And I most definitely was, which is funny because, you know, people keep telling me, oh, you're not shadow banned. I see your posts, but you have to know what to look for. I'm shadow banned, meaning people who follow me and they engage regularly, especially if they'll favorite my account, which is like how you make it add, go to the top of the feed. They can see my post. But if you search my name, all you get is fake accounts. You cannot find, it's very hard to find my real account, even when you type out my full name. And then when you try and tag me, it said, it gave a COVID notification saying that you can't tag me because I spread COVID misinformation. And then the last one is that I'm not, you know, I'm not allowed on any recommended pages. I'm not recommended on an explore page. Oh, and the biggest one is that people who share my content get shadow banned, which is crazy. So if anyone follows me on Instagram, the way that I recommend that you um, share my content is take a screen cap and then you can like tag my account. Don't share it directly from my account because that's a specific shadow ban they have going on. So, and this is not being taken off, by the way. It got worse. On um, Instagram, right? Yeah, on Instagram is really bad. So basically the the censorship gates opened up on Twitter ever since Elon came on and we've tested it. Baronhardt and I can say things on there that we don't say, we can't say on other platforms. So that's a fact. And all the doctors and people who got yeah. deleted are all back. It's like, I literally feel like on Twitter, like we're like, we got a bunch of people who got released from the gulags who we didn't even know were in the gulags, basically. Like I'm seeing all these accounts that I haven't seen in years all of a sudden tweeting it's again. Yeah. So he got rid of all of the, um, you know, unfair bans, but this is still happening on Facebook and Instagram in a very extreme way. And so, you know, it's not over yet, basically. Yeah. And then, you know, there are many things that happened as well. But once it stood out, was this crazy FTX crypto exchange scandal with the guy, what's his name, Sam Bankman-Fried, SBF. Yeah. Very shady character and still going on. He got in prison in Bahamas and then, ex, you know, now shipped no, over to the New York to, to the court. But he's out on bail, right? $250 million bail. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Who paid for that? But it ties into so many things in, right? Uh, it ties into, he made billions of dollars or millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars donations to the Democratic Party, um, you know, and engaged with the Bill Clinton and all of that, the Biden administration. And also there's some shady connection to Ukraine, right? Um, yeah, he's, you, he's uh, spent money, millions uh, money laundering in Ukraine. Exactly. So it ties actually in a big money laundering operation connecting the Democratic Party, the U.S. government, the, you know, the deep state uh, with the Ukraine government, the Zelensky puppet and FTX crypto scandal, right? Which is so obvious because, by the way, on the Twitter files, the Hunter Biden scandal was all about his links with Ukraine and how they were laundering money in Ukraine. Exactly. Oh, by the way, that was also part of the Twitter files, the, the Hunter Biden uh, laptop, right? And That's the censorship that went on. Yeah, yeah, so all yeah. this all is interrelated. You can connect the dots with all of that. But it was just fascinating to watch. You know, obviously, it put a downer, you know, very pessimistic FUD view on the whole crypto market, Bitcoin, and then everybody, you know, we can see the market is in a bear market right now. But this is a whole other topic, which I want to talk later when we talk about astrology, especially Pluto and Aquarius, yeah. because the crypto topic is not going to go away, Bitcoin and, and digital currencies. 
and there's like to everything there are two sides to it right um but uh, people tend to throw out the baby with the bathwater so uh, but it's interesting to see how this crypto scandal happened which also tightens even more control on the crypto market trying to centralize it and all of that which is whole story in itself but we see all these different movements and as always if you look back the year like many things you cannot simply predict that that's i think the biggest lesson for any year review when you look back over your the past year be it in your personal life what happened collectively yeah maybe some people you foresaw uh, some things you foresaw and they happened but many i'm guaranteeing things you didn't see coming was very surprising in a quote-unquote positive or negative manner right who would have known that I'm now on Twitter verified with the blue check mark at the end of the year? Yeah, it kind of does relate to, you know, what I'm going to talk about in the astrology because, you know, you have basically two types of change. You have cataclysmic change and you have slow and steady change. But then also you have a type of karma that's like karma come to fruition from past lives. So even if mm. you basically learn your lessons and this really takes sincerity and you're sincere in your self-work, you're sincere, you you take the changes that need to be made in your life by the reins and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to address that issue. I'm going to address that trauma. I'm going to address that relationship. You really have to have this like almost like psychological warrior attitude. Even if you do that, you can still get hit by a so-called outer event that you didn't expect because that is just a karmic necessity that you had to go through, basically. There's like uh, a karmic necessity, you know, meaning that you need to go through it because of something that happened in past lives that's now you're paying off in this life. And then there's a requirement, karmic requirement, where you basically have to go through this in order for you to learn and grow and evolve in the next stage. So, you know, even if you're really sincere with your self-work, you will still get hit by these curveballs in life. You know, that's how it works. I think that reminds me also what you shared now that it's my personal realization or experience for this past year as well of giving up control to the divine, trusting, having a deeper faith and trust in divine will, however it may turn out. And the best I can do is align with that. What does it mean to align with divine will of my higher nature? Work through my stuff, my own egocentricity, ego stuff, blind spots, shadow, childhood wounding, trauma, all of that. So I can be more that force uh, to bring change in this world in a more conscious manner. But like you mentioned, a lot of it is outside of our conscious control. Many yeah. of, most people live on the illusion of free will, but we are led by forces and in, in from the past affecting the future and affecting the present, which affects the future in ways we're not aware of. I personally think that as you grow in consciousness, you actually gain a little bit more free will in a sense Like you're not just pulled by the waves of the past and the conditioning patterns of the past, which would be a very unconscious way of living, but you can actively be a part of your own evolution, which is a very different story. It doesn't mean that you can make anything happen. Lots of life coaches and Tony Robbins type people will disagree with me on that. But like for me, I'm almost 40. I'm not going to become a professional soccer player at this. I could, but is that my path? You know, you got to work with the archetypes that are given to you, but there's so many different ways that they can play out yeah. as well. So you want to get into the astrology of 2023? Yeah. Let's do that. Go ahead. Okay. So we're going to get into the astrology for 2023. And I'm in the first hour, I'm going to talk about these two major trends as we're going to have in March 
Saturn entering Pisces and Pluto entering Aquarius. In the second hour, I'm going to talk about the Jupiter transits, the node shifting, the nodes of the moon shifting from Aries to Libra. But basically, let's just begin with the beginning of 2023. So, you know, when Saturn enters Pisces and Pluto enters Aquarius, these are transpersonal planets. So things will heat up, especially in March when Pluto is under Aquarius and Saturn renders Pisces. But the year is going to bring uh, begin a bit disruptively before that because we have Mars retrograding Gemini, uh, Mercury retrograding Capricorn. By the end of January, both Mars and Mercury will station direct, which means more forward movement. And Uranus is still, even though Uranus is still conjunct the North Node in Taurus, which is why a lot of people have been move, moving lately, by the way, things will calm down for a period. But then there will be a major collective shift in March when Saturn and Pluto change signs within weeks of each other. And this is followed by Pluto square the nodes for much of the year, and then Jupiter entering Taurus in May, and then the nodes switching in July. So I'm going to talk about what all this means. Um, so basically, the key dates that we want to keep in mind is Pluto visiting Aquarius, from March to June, and then Saturn entering Pisces from March 7th, and that's obviously 2023. And I just want to say that, you know, since Pluto has been on the last degrees of Capricorn and kind of like, you know, on the cusp of Aquarius for a while, we're already seeing these themes, you know, in the collective. That's why we did a podcast episode about it a while ago. And Pluto also takes some time to settle in a new sign. So for example, when Pluto was first in Capricorn in 2008, we had the financial cra crash and this uh, recession that took a couple years to settle. And it's interesting at the end of this same Capricorn cycle, we're also experience financial issues as well, you know, so it's a They're very... both are very typical Capricorn themes, Yes, exactly, right? exactly. And so this is all... So everything that happens between 2024 is all going to lead up to a really big change in 2025 because all of the outer planets will be in new signs. So outer planets signify transpersonal, large-scale, and collective change. And just to give you a preview, in 2025, we're going to have Pluto and Aquarius. Neptune is going to move from Pisces into Aries. And Uranus is going to move from Taurus to Gemini. So this is going to be... That's huge. Very, that's huge. There's going to be so much going on. Um, and I already have some ideas on what's going to happen, especially with Uranus and Gemini and the whole homeschooling movement. But that being said, okay, so let's get into it. So... So we're really in this truly a time of transition, which is a word we use in our Telegram channel. It's the word that we use for our retreats and our programs, meaning we're really in this in-between phase. We're letting go of the past, but it seems that we're not quite sure of what comes next. And I really imagine that this in-between space is the best time to really plant new seeds. Because remember, seeds take some time to grow and we need to be patient with it. So between now and 2025, when we have all these outer planets change into new signs, really think about this deeply. Like, what's the next phase of my life? What are the seeds that I want to plant? How can I bring that into fruition? Because we're going to have a massive new cycle on our hands. Um, so let's talk about Saturn and Pisces. So basically from March 2023, the exact date is uh, March 7th, 2023, Saturn is going to enter Pisces. And this is really the beginning of a long process of dissolution and even potential healing 
um, that may be hard to navigate as we deal with the kind of fallout of the past two years. So there's going to be many endings. Endings are not easy for a lot of people, but also many opportunities to plant seeds for a new beginning. And Saturn's going to actually be in Pisces from 2023 to 2026 with a few dips in and out of Aries until he reaches uh, Aries in 2025. So we really have this slightly extended Saturn transit in Pisces. And what does that mean? Well, Saturn represents boundaries, reality, physical form, discipline, wisdom, patience, authority on the shadow side, depression, suppression, guilt, and on a positive side, maturity. So while Pisces represents disillusion, transcendence, delusion, dreams, addiction. So Saturn and religion. Yeah, religion. Um, Saturn and Pisces do not mix well together. Um, actually, I would say religion is more Sagittarius. Uh, mm. Pisces is more spirituality, actually. It's more belief. Right? Yeah, it's more religion. Organized religion is definitely more Sagittarius, where Pisces is more just spirituality, unity, oneness. It. It's like the experience of transcendence. So basically, you know, Saturn and Pisces do not mix well together. So we can basically expect Saturn to continue dissolving old structures, Pisces. And so what I'm already kind of seeing already is, you know, could be the possibility of a rise of political religious movements like socialism, more communism. We also might see the rise of more authoritarian authoritarian. Uh, Saturn Christian movements, Pisces, and our spiritual beliefs, Pisces, will be tested by Saturn over the years. So basically, if you want to work with this, the best way that you can work with this is put disciplined, structured work into your spiritual practice, Pisces, because Saturn likes us to pay our dues, which is also known as the Lord of Karma, in the area which Saturn rules. So if you know your astrology chart, look to which house Saturn rules and be ready to really roll up your elbows and do necessary work in this area of your life that area of your life is basically your karma yoga, so to speak, you know, the spiritual work that you do with a practical manner in the world. You're going to say something? Yeah, I was just thinking it's a good time to chime in uh, because what you just shared with Saturn in Pisces, um, what we can see on the shadow side, which is already we see happening now and emerging, is a very like weird revival of a very dogmatic fundamentalist form of religion and specifically Christianity. Yeah, because Saturn represents tradition and Pisces does represent Christianity, mm -hmm. you know. So there, because we see it, especially in the quote-unquote conservative movement, is somehow tied with this new weird manosphere, manly man movement, uh, and this like very dogmatic form of Christianity and, and tradition going back to the past. Well, yeah, it's old, like very, Old Testament style. <laughs> yeah, but a very dogmatic way. It's not like in, uh, based on experience. It's like an intellectual um, superiority approach to... Well, yeah, in, in psychological terms, I would say, you know, it's not a true spiritual experience. It's actually defense mechanism right you know exactly. so like pisces would actually be the true spiritual experience but as i said saturn and pisces don't mix well saturn comes in with suppression authority super strong super egoic tendencies meaning like i know the best way to be and everyone better listen to me you know and then in pisces he takes that stance in the you know spiritual atmosphere yeah. so yeah because we definitely see that happening and and not that's not against i mean i I embody uh, Christian teachings. I'm a big, I'm a student of esoteric Christianity. You know, I've been writing and talking about this. 
uh, for many years. In fact, the term time of transition is based on Resoteric Christianity. It's the, the, uh, the time in between the, uh, the age of the Holy uh, Son approaching the Holy Father. Uh, excuse me, the age between uh, the age of the Holy Son to the Holy Spirit. So that's the time of transition. And in light of the evolution of consciousness, but we do see, and I've seen this, uh, you know, you've experienced, I've experienced even people close to us, they take on this new identity, like a spiritual identity of this very dogmatic form of Christianity where it really like, it is infused by this, oh, this is the way, this is the only way. And you go back to church, Jesus is the savior and there's no other way. If you don't give yourself to Jesus, you're screwed. So there's this really like revival, almost like with a missionary complex and that kind of uh, seems to be the one of the manifestations of Saturn and Pisces. Yeah, it, it's definitely like a Saturn and Pisces. Like Saturn's like, I'm the authority, what I say goes, you know, and I'm the authority, you know, it's a very structured, repressive form of spirituality, which I don't personally think is where we're going collectively. Yeah, um, it's just and, one of expression, but like people get can get caught in. Well, I, I think on a psychological level, I know, you know, a, some psychologists listen to us. It's like on a Freudian level, it's like the super egoic ideal of morality has allied with these persons ego. So they don't actually realize their shadow, their own selfishness, their own issues. They actually believe that they are the embodiment of their moral virtue, which is a mm. very dangerous place to be. Um, so I think we are going to see more of that, you know, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, a really great way on a practical level to work with um, the Saturn and Pisces uh, transit we have going on is work with the polarity point of Pisces, which is in Virgo. So basically in evolutionary astrology, you look to the opposite sign and house for the point of evolution. So I'm, since I'm just going into how it's showing up collectively, the houses don't matter because we're an international podcast. But basically you want to think about how Virgo is complementary to Saturn more than Pisces in a sense, because Pisces basically will have a dream, right? And then Virgo will be like, okay, but what are you going to do about it? How are you going to make it happen? Which is very complimentary to Pisces, to Saturn. So Saturn can also throw up challenges and Virgo will be like, oh, great. I love to clean up this mess and learn from this. This will make me a better person. So that's a really great attitude to take during Saturn transits because Saturn transits can test us, test us to get to work. It's like, I call it the Jordan Peterson transit because it's like <laughs> clean up your life or clean up an area of your life, clean up your room, clean up your spiritual practice in Pisces, focus on your health and mind, body, spirit. That's a Pisces Virgo axis, like, you know, doing some real grounded practical work to get your mind, body and spirit health in order is a great way use of it, regardless of what sign it's happening in. Um, and another big theme as well in Saturn in uh, of Pisces is disillusionment. So Saturn mm. is this reality principle. And I think that Saturn is really going to test our spiritual beliefs to see if they're actually working, to see if they're actually real. So mm. one big sign that Saturn shows you when you need to look at something is feelings of depression, suppression, guilt, emotional stagnancy. It can also be issues with authority, with people who are in a position of power over you. And if it's on an emotional level, if you're kind of suppressing the Saturn lesson, it will show up as being like constantly thinking negatively, which is obviously related to depression, right? Saturn also really corresponds with unresolved grief. So, you know, 
think about if you're feeling this way, if you're feeling depressed, suppressed, emotionally stagnant, you know, ask yourself, what might I need to grieve? Like, what do I need to feel? That's the Pisces. The Pisces wants you to let go. It wants you to feel. And like, you know, Saturn's going to ask you, like, how can I practically do that? Because, you know, while Saturn's in the sign, it will, he'll really not allow us to escape into fantasies and addictions while it's in uh, Pisces. So really pay attention to your inner spiritual life. Look at where you're living in a state of emotional suppression. Um, you know, look at uh, the feelings you've faced for the past couple of years or even beyond that that have been suppressed. Look at healing them. This is a really great time to start a spiritual practice. So it doesn't matter what it is, meditation, yoga, qigong, you know, engage in a uh, process of inner work. Saturn wants you to be really serious in this area of life. So if you've been neglecting your own spiritual practice, your own self-work, you know, your own creativity, then work with Saturn. Saturn wants you embody traits of discipline, hard work, and patience. So basically a shortcut for working with any astrology transit in your life is to embody that planet's energy. And Saturn at its highest represents maturity and responsibility and not coming from a place of emotional suppression either. It has to also include its polarity point of cancer. So in a sense, this is my own prediction. I think, you know, look towards working towards a goal of spiritual maturity. And it's really not going to be good enough to have like new agey, love and light, spiritual bypass type beliefs, or even dogmatic beliefs that suppress our pain. So it's really a good idea to look at like, how am I spiritually bypassing while this transit goes on? Because Saturn will test our spiritual beliefs against reality and look for what's practical and what actually helps us and discard what's not working for us. And in order to even do that honestly, it takes maturity, responsibility. It takes seeing reality as it is, being really honest with yourself. So this will be a really great time as well. You know, Saturn will want you to build to make your dreams, Pisces, a reality. But it will only come for those who are willing to put in the actual work and not just live with their head in the crowd. So as I mentioned, really not the transit to spiritually bypass. This is really the time to speak, take responsibility for your dreams, for your spiritual well-being, to actualize your dreams into reality with hard work and discipline. And, you know, if you do need structure to work on some spiritual practice or spiritual goals, we also have the Embodied Soul Awakening course. We're going to run that a couple more times in 2023, starting in April, May. And obviously I'm biased, but I do think that this program does offer a very nice structured container, which was what Saturn likes for your spiritual work Pisces. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. No, so any was, thoughts about that? Yeah, it was very insightful. I was reflecting on myself, but I can see it playing out, you know, in the... I was also reflecting how, you know, with this whole, correct me if I'm wrong, but is it part of the Saturn Pisces, which could, which could increase as well, which we've seen over the past couple of years, even this really old dogmatic traditional form of astrology has reaffirmed, resurfaced. Yeah. Right. Where it's almost like, you know, Saturn. No, that was more Saturn and Aquarius. That's oh, that was more Saturn now. and Aquarius. Okay. Yeah, 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 because yeah. it was even sa demonizing Saturn and whatever you have Saturn, it's evil and like not seeing the deeper, like you just described, there's a teaching function behind that. Or even some astrologers demonizing Pluto and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Not understanding, no, like there's, there's, a, there's actually, even if Saturn is very restrictive, authoritarian, and there's, there's a shadow side to it. Yeah. But there's a deeper lesson within that. 
The, right. le- the lesson is always maturity. You yeah. know, Saturn wants you to grow up and be an adult, basically. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to just touch on Aquarius too, as well. Um, so Pluto and Aquarius, I know we touched on this in other podcasts. We had a podcast ones. about it, yeah. Oh, we had a podcast about it. Okay, so you can go check that one out. Is it titled Pluto and Aquarius? or? Um, yes, we had an episode, Cosmic Magic's episode, about Pluto and Aquarius number 94. So I highly recommend to go back to that podcast episode and listen to that as well. Okay, so let's just touch on it really quickly because I didn't. I, um, I just want to make sure that you know this is a major transit, by the way. That's why we're talking about it so much. It's going to be a big collective shift for us uh, as hum- for, for humanity as well. So Pluto is in Aquarius from March twenty third to twenty twenty three to June eleventh, twenty twenty three, and then basically goes into Capricorn for most of the year, only to return later from January twentieth, twenty twenty four, until September going to go retrograde again for a period in November 2024 and then it's going to be there for good. So since Pluto is in the late degrees of Capricorn, it's basically been on the cusp for a little while now and you already see the themes of Pluto and Aquarius rising in the collective transhumanism, AI, communities, crypto, individuation, disassociation, trauma, like all of these are themes we already see in Aquarius. And basically, um, Pluto is going to transform humanity and society as we know it when it's in Aquarius. Like, it's literally not going to look the same by the time Pluto's done with it. Um, And there could be a massive transformation to society, you know, and on a microcosm, you might see your friend group, you know, changing or the little macrocosm around you changing significantly as well. So I believe Pluto and Aquarius will also be the rising of micro communities, which will be centered around a common goal. So, you know, our Embodied Soul Awakening course is actually very Aquarian in itself because we not only bring in lots of different topics, which is very Aquarian, connecting the dots. But what I love about it is we have these groups of diverse people from all over the world gathered together around a common vision or goal, which is basically inner work, the process of awakening. And we're going to see many other groups rise up during this period centered around a common goal. So think about like micro communities, not these massive superhuman super communities, which are still going to exist, but like more of these like little communities rising up. Well, at the same time, I think we mentioned that could also then mean, should I say the rise of cults? Yes, that's going to be a theme as well. Yeah, you're going to see all sorts of new age cults, coming out of this like there's yeah. it's gonna it's gonna get pretty crazy i think um and it also relates to the birth of a new scientific and technological revolution so we're gonna see themes around you know individuality rebellion deconditioning i also think mass trauma could be part of this transit the reason is is because uranus transits can be so shattering, like so suddenly and life-changing that they can actually create disassociation. So that can happen on a collective level as well. Because Uranus, which is a ruling planet of Aquarius, is like this lightning bolt that will shake up the collective to the point where it might feel like too much too fast for some people. And that's the definition of trauma. When too much happened faster than you could process it. And so if that's you, if you are feeling yourself disassociating, the key is to get back into your body, to heal the disassociation, trauma work, somatic work, therapeutic work. Um, On a more 3D level, we are going to see the rise of this metaverse, VR, artificial intelligence era. We're going to see, you know, cyborgs, Neuralink, um, you know, Web3, which is related to blockchain, gene editing, lab-grown tissue and meat, artificial wombs, nanotechnology, 
And I, I'm not saying, you know, I like these things or not. I'm just saying that this is all sorts of possibilities in this kind of technological revolution that we're going to be in. Um, and then in a more esoteric level, Aquarius stands for really innovation, individuality, individuation, which is different from individuality, by the way, and freeing yourself from the conditioning of the past. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of people changing significantly, I think, during this period. And it's going to, you know, individuation, when you go on that path, it can look really messy. You really feel this inner call that something's got to change. You feel this inner dissatisfaction. It can start with depression, anxiety, uncomfortable feelings, you know, and this is pushing you on the path forward, basically. And, you know, it's also about the future. So, you know, focus on how your thoughts really create reality because that can speed up during this period. You're going to say something, honey? No, no, I was just going to, I pulled up my article, which uh, I recently wrote, which definitely ties into this coming age of Pluto and Aquarius about uh, the AI transhumanism occult trap and the way out. That's an article I recently wrote. Um, going deeper into this topic of the dangers of AI and transhumanism, but not in a black and white manner, because I don't want to demonize technology. Like you said, it's just, it always depends what consciousness is driving it behind it. But for people who haven't read it yet, it kind of went viral actually, but in case you haven't read it yet, go to my website, veilofreality.com and check out the article, The AI Transhumanism or Cold Trap and the Way Out. And I want to talk about this actually more in specifics probably in the second hour because we're already at the end of the first hour. Yeah. So just to finish it off, you know, you will see the rise of all sorts of like like-minded groups. Like everyone's looking for community. Now is the moment. But what I would suggest is that engage in your own individuation process. Like don't just join community so that you feel less alone because that's also a theme of Aquarius is, you know, the trauma creates disassociation, creates alienation from humanity, you know, and that can actually be a necessary step in your individuation process as long as you don't latch on to some group for an identity. Yeah, that's, thank you so much for saying this. I think we had, we talked about this in one of our epi uh, podcast episodes. I don't remember which one. But the what I call the trap of wanting to be around like-minded people or even wanting to join a community, which sounds like a paradox, but based on what you said, if you a lot of the drive of being around like-minded people or joining a community can be actually a trauma response or trying to recreate, uh, get that which we didn't receive in childhood, yes. the sense of belonging or somebody taking care of us. Yeah. And again, there's nothing inherently wrong with communities, uh, groups, movements, all of that. But it's come, if it's coming from this unconscious trauma response, it can easily um, destroy communities. It can f turn into a cult with all kinds of subconscious, unconscious hierarchies, power dynamics, uh, people feed off of unconsciously. Uh, and you can lose yourself in the group, actually. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, at the cost of your individuality and individuation, you make yourself, let's say, there's a codependent relationship. Yeah. So it's, it's key point, like I think with Aquarius, what you mentioned, since it also archetypally represents the process of individuation, to engage in this process of individuation, which, as Laura said, is not is not uh, about becoming individual in the in the official culture consensus type of reality. Individuation is a deeper inner process to become whole, to connect to your soul being, your true essence. That's part of individuation. So you already need to be fully engaged in this process to really know thyself and then you join, then you can be around others without losing yourself, without becoming dependent on others in that sense. Yeah. Uh, but that's a, a twofold approach to individuate and then also connect with 
groups and communities at well, the same the time. Well, the individuation is like a call to adventure in the hero's journey. It's a call to discover who you truly are beyond all of the conditioning yes. you take on from the past. So, you know, Aquarius does rule deconditioning as a precursor to individuation. So the more that you decondition yourself from what you've taken on from the past that doesn't align with your true self, the more your true self can come forward and you can individuate. And also a big piece is shadow work, learning how to withdraw the projections, learning how yeah. to realize that the perceptions and projections that you have towards the people in this world, your relationships, are basically your psyche asking you to make it, or is asking itself to make itself known. So that's how you become whole, basically. Um, and this is again stuff that we do in embodied soul awakening. So the more you individuate, the more you're going to likely find your true tribe, so to speak. But that takes yes. deep work, uncovering the true self. So you want to enter into these groups, you know, being curious. And even with our group, you know, I'm sure there's people who join who really want to just be around people. I think there's very, there's a huge healing that can happen there. I also want to make sure I don't, don't throw the baby with the bathwater. I did a lot of healing in community, yes. but understanding that the community is ideally supposed to support you in discovering your true self, exactly. not to make you like a cookie cutter version of like people in the community, basically. Yeah. Or following like a certain dogma. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think we're going to wrap up. So in the second hour, I'm going to just finish off. We're going to talk about a few more transits, some really nice Jupiter transits we have going on, uh, Jupiter and Aries, Taurus. And then I'm going to talk about uh, the nodes switching signs and what that's going to mean as well. So Yeah, and I'm going to tie it in, talk about more about what the revelations based on Thomas Meyer's work and the consequences of the COVID vax on the soul spirit. Life after death, which was huge. I feel it's still people are not, fully aware of what that actually means, I believe. And like going deeper into this whole transhumanism or dawn of the age of transhumanism and AI as we see, and this will be, as Laura said, a big theme in the years to come. Also recently with the so-called Lenza app and everybody changing their avatars, uh, profile pics on social media. So that's that was an interesting dynamic there. I want to talk about this from an occult perspective. And also really why it is really so necessary to engage in psycho-spiritual work. It becomes more and more important because we are in the war of our souls. Essentially, that's really what it comes down to. It's now hyperbole. If you really understand more the occult and esoteric um, forces at work here, be it hostile or benevolent. So with that being said, if you're not a member already, um, go to my website, veilofreality.com, sign up to the membership for the second hour. And uh, we have already 99 episodes there with lots of insights, a lot of practical tools and insights in these episodes for you to uh, draw upon as well. And see you in the second hour. Thanks for listening. <laughs>